Welcome to The Winance Show, a place to help you stop spending, grow wealth, and live more intentionally. We're your hosts, Marie and Stephanie, two sisters on the path to financial independence and personal finance educators. We've both grown multiple six-figure portfolios within just a few years by making simple yet effective changes with our financial habits. But not before overcoming a financially insecure childhood, digging our way out of debt, and unlearning the limiting beliefs around money that we were taught growing up. We show you how to achieve financial independence through our blog, workshops, podcasts, and our weekly YouTube live stream show. Welcome to Winance. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Winance Wednesday. This is our weekly financial independence live stream show and podcast where we talk about all the ways that we can transform our lives through our finances. And we do that by learning how to spend more intentionally, how to grow and build wealth through investing, all so that we can live the lives that we deserve. We are your hosts and personal finance educators, Stephanie and Marie. We are also two sisters on the path to financial independence. If you are new and you're watching us on YouTube, do us a favor and go ahead and click the like and subscribe button. That helps people find this content just like you and you get notified every time we go live. And if you are listening to us in podcast land, well, hello to you. And likewise, if you guys can go ahead and click the subscribe button. And if you like the content that you're getting from our podcast, do us a huge favor. You can leave us a tip by rating and reviewing our podcast that helps other people find our content so we can help more people transform their lives through their finances. Well, Steph, it feels like it's been a while since we've been live. I I know. Two or three weeks ago that we last went live. I know. We did our first uh, recorded episode a couple weeks ago and then Thanksgiving. So I hope everyone had a very relaxing and, you know, Good Thanksgiving. You know, I know it's been different this year for a lot of people and probably didn't get to see as many family members as we all wish we could have. But, you know, we got to spend time with each other, which was nice. And I hope everybody else got to at least, you know, Zoom with their family or Skype (laughs) or whatever people are doing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. By the way, check out my new background tonight. (laughs) I know. I like that. Wine centric. That's right. It's very wine centric. (laughs) <laughs> I am doing Wine Ants Wednesday here in my kitchen, trying out something new. You get better lighting out here. So, okay. all right. Well, this week's episode, we are doing part two. So a follow-up to episode six, where we talked about health savings accounts, HSAs. Um, so in part one, we talked about just sort of the basics of HSAs and um, how you should make that decision if you're going to go with your PPO option or other um, healthcare option, or if you wanted to go with a high deductible high deductible plan with an HSA. So we talked all about HSAs in that episode. And tonight we're talking about the investing side of HSAs, because as we talked about in episode six, HSAs are considered the ultimate retirement account. So we have a lot of really great tips for you tonight. And again, Stephanie, our reigning queen of health (laughs) savings accounts, um, is going to school us with her knowledge and drop some gems. So I'm going to be interviewing her um, to hear all about how we should take advantage of our HSAs and how we should invest. Yes. And at the end, there will be a quiz. I expect everyone to be experts by the end of this episode. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but you know, I do hope that you know people learn a lot. I, actually, our first HSA episode, episode six, was probably our most popular episode and most watched mm -hmm. episode and listened to. And I think it's because there's so much information that's relevant to so many people. You know, it's still open enrollment season. My employer, actually, we just had our open enrollment meeting on Monday. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, we only have one option, and it is a high deductible plan with an HSA. But some people still have to make that decision. So definitely go back and watch episode six if you missed it or re-listen to it if you missed it. Um, and, but you know, this episode, there was so much content that we didn't get to include in the first episode because HSAs are not just a healthcare account, but they also can be an investment account. And so we wanted to kind of break that up because they really have two different purposes. And you know, once you get your HSA, we want to help you maximize your you know, opportunity with it and your investments with it. So that's what this episode is today or about this evening. <laughs> but we did want to give you a quick recap about the basics of HSAs, just in case you missed that. So first, let's talk about HSA contribution rules. So just to go over them quickly, a uh, first thing, like we mentioned, is that you have to have a qualifying high deductible healthcare plan. You also can't be covered by another insurance, whether it be through your spouse or your parents or whoever. You can't be under uh, Medicare, TRICARE, or uh, medical benefits to the VA. You can't be claimed as somebody else's dependent, and you can't have a FSA, which is a flexible spending account, um, unless it's a limited purpose, which typically only covers dental or uh, vision. So the next thing to know about HSAs from the basics are the contribution limits. So for 2020, for an individual, the contribution limits are $3,550, so $3,550. It was increased by $50 for 2021, so you can contribute up to $3,600 next year. For families, which means you and one at least one other dependent, it's $7,100 for 2020 and $7,200 for 2021. And then the last thing is the HSA triple tax advantage. And that's what you know everybody preaches about for HSAs. And that's what we love to talk about. And that's really what we're going to be focusing on a bit here today, too, is how to get that triple tax advantage. So the first thing is your contributions are tax deductible, particularly if you contribute through your employer. If your employer offers the HSA and you're contributing through them, you get an additional 7.65% savings on FICA tax versus contributing directly yourself. Next, you let your earnings and your, your money that you're contributing grow tax-free. So you never pay taxes on that money while it's in the account. And then last, your withdrawals can be 100% tax-free so long as they are for eligible expenses. And the list of eligible expenses is enormous. And actually, something that I just learned, it was either earlier this week or last week, was that um, due to the CARES Act, which was the, the um, act that Congress did in the beginning of COVID as a relief for, for people. Part of that was that uh, HSAs and FSAs could be used to cover over-the-counter um, items that typically would need a prescription. So like allergy medications, tampons, um, you know, you name it, like all these sorts <laughs> of things. Oh, like even like Advil and all that. If you have a, wow. if your doctor would quote, get a prescription for that, you know, that even though you really don't need one to obviously buy Advil, but 
previously to have it covered, your doctor would have to write you a prescription and you'd have to have it. Now, so long as it says it's HSA eligible, you can be reimbursed for it and you don't have to have the prescription evidence for that to, if, you know, in case you're audited. So that's an awesome tip that I didn't even realize until like, you know, like I said, a week ago. Um, so I went back through all my Amazon purchases. <laughs> Luckily, I do yeah. buy a lot of stuff online. So I have records for it, you know, things that I bought at the grocery mm. store over the past year. I've like, I, yeah, I don't keep those receipts. But my Amazon purchases, you know, you can go back through. So I printed out all those receipts and I put them in my folder. So better believe I'm cashing those in in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. That's actually really good to hear that you can use it kind of like an FSA in, in that case. Um, so speaking of FSAs and, and talking about investing in general, so I think one of the things that people get confused about or just feels very complex to understand is HSAs are obviously there's a healthcare component, but it's also an investment account or can be an investment account. So is it like an FSA with a 401k? How does that work? It sort of is. So the thing with FSAs is that um, they are use it or lose it. So you contribute money to that tax free and you can withdraw from it tax free so long as it's for an eligible expense. But if you don't use your full funds and your full contribution by the end of the year, you it's gone. That money actually goes to your employer. You you don't mm -hmm. have it. That's the other thing too is that FSAs are um, have to be sponsored by your employer, whereas HSAs many are sponsored through your employer, but they don't have to be. So it's similar in the in the health savings aspect where you're getting tax free contributions towards your medical expenses. The difference is that FSAs also don't offer an investment options where HSAs do, and that's where they become kind of more like a 401k. So in the case of an HSA, when your employer, you know, decides to offer an HSA, you know, plan, you know, account, um, and you have a, a high deductible plan that's eligible for it, they can choose whether to um, offer an option that's just cash only a cash balance. And basically, you just put your money in, it'll earn like a tiny bit of interest, but not really much. It's pretty much like putting it in a generic savings account. Um, or you can also potentially have an investment option, which many employers do include. And so if you have that additional investment option, you're able to put your contributions into that investment portion of the account. And it can grow just like a 401k. So you put your contributions in tax-free, it grows tax-free in those investments. And again, it's investment options similar to a 401k. So you're gonna have different kind of index funds and mutual funds. Um, you're not gonna have like, probably not a ton and not the exact same as what your 401k might have. Some people do, but um, your, your options might be a little bit more limited than a typical 401k, but you're still going to have a decent amount of options. Um, it just really kind of depends from uh, HSA provider, or HSA bank to another HSA bank. And that's the other thing too, is that technically the HSA providers are called HSA banks. Um, mm -hmm. And there actually is a company called HSA bank, not to be confused. <laughs> It sounds very confusing. Yeah, but there's a lot of like these companies, these banks, these providers that are offer HSAs. So when you hear someone say a HSA bank, they might be calling talking about the specific company or just that it's a HSA provider. Mm. Yeah. So going back to the whole thing of um of investing though in your HSA, it, it 
the way that it's also similar to a 401k, like I said, you're going to have different investment options. You could have low cost index fund options. You could also have high cost index fund options. There also might be fees associated with having um, an investment portion of your HSA. So typically uh, employers will cover the whatever kind of um, maintenance fees or, or account fees that these HSA providers will charge so long as your money's in the cash portion. But some companies um, and, and employers will charge, well, not the employers are charging the fee, but some companies will charge a fee if you want to put a portion into the investment account and your employers will not cover that fee. And I'm, I believe even the one that my employer offers does the same thing. So I don't pay anything for um, my general HSA through my employer, but if I want to put that money into the investment portion, I'm going to pay like a small fee. And it's usually, well, when I say small fee, it's a percentage of your balance. Mm -hmm. So if you only have like a hundred or a couple thousand dollar balance, it's probably not going to be that much. But if your HSA is growing and you've had it for, you know, years and years and years, that could be a significant amount of money, especially if you've been maxing it out. So again, this is another thing where you need to be aware of fees and, and amounts that you're paying in these accounts, just the same as you would a 401k. That's really interesting. And you actually touched upon this, you know, you had an Instagram video that you posted today that kind of touched upon um, your investment options with your HSA as compared to a 401k. And so with a 401k through your employer, you know, you don't get to choose what your investment options are. You don't get to choose what what the fees are. You know, you're kind of just you know, at the mercy of whatever your employer provides. And hopefully they have like a really good um, 401k provider. But with your HSA, well, I guess, I guess I have two questions. Number one is what if your employer doesn't actually offer the investment option mm -hmm. um, with your HSA? And number two, what if they do offer it, but you know, it, you just don't have good fund options or they're high fee options. Um, you know, they're just not things that you would actually want to invest in can you open up the investment side of the HSA on your own? Yes, you can. And I thought when I found this out, I was like, this is the most awesome thing because this was <laughs> the thing that I was missing in my own HSA. Um, my employer just started offering uh, a, a high deductible plan that was HSA eligible last year. So 2020 was the first year that we could contribute to HSAs. And I was super excited. And then I found out two things. One was that you had to have at least $1,000 in the cash account before you could start contributing to the investment portion, which meant that you had to still have that $1,000 in there and at 1001 you could start contributing and put that $1 mm -hmm. and whatever that one plus dollar would be into the investment portion, which means that $1,000 is just sitting there literally earning pennies. And then two, your investment options are relatively limited and you're, I'm going to pay like an additional fee, like, you know, the same as like a expense ratio point, whatever percent fee of that. So I was super bummed about that. And um, also because I split my HSA, my total family HSA balance between me and my husband, I wasn't contributing enough to build that thousand dollars till almost the end of the year. And so I was really bummed. And then I found out that you can have multiple HSAs and you can open your own HSA. So so unlike a 401k where it literally has to be sponsored by your employer, HSAs don't have to be sponsored by your employer. Now, certainly there's benefits to contributing to your employer HSA because like I said, you get that additional 7.65% FICA tax when the money is deducted from your payroll versus you contributing directly. But the great thing that you can do instead is take advantage of both worlds. So there's many HSA companies out there that 
don't charge an account fee, don't have any minimums and have decent investment options. Um, Fidelity is one of them. Lively is another one that I've heard really good things about. So you don't have to choose a company and pay a fee and whatever. There's other options out there. So what you can do is you would contribute to your employer HSA, you know, just as you normally would have your payroll deducted and whatnot. And then you can open up your own HSA through one of those companies, like I mentioned, Fidelity, Lively, whoever. Um, and then, you know, and as long as you're still eligible to contribute, obviously, if you're not, if you don't have the eligibility rules that we went over in the beginning of the episode, then that's a whole different story. But let's say you're still eligible. Then all you have to do is do a trustee to trustee transfer. And that means directly from HSA to HSA. So um, there's a difference between a rollover and a trustee to trustee transfer. And this is where it's really important because you're only allowed to do one rollover between HSAs per year. Otherwise, you'll start to have to pay taxes on that additional money. And that means that like, you know, you say you leave your employer and you want to roll your money out, they would send you a, a check and then you go and deposit that check into your new HSA. That's a rollover. And that's only allowed once a year. However, a trustee to trustee transfer, which you can easily do online for many of these companies, you go to your, your new HSA provider. So let's say you're going from um, HSA Bank, which is, like I said, <laughs> you know, the one through your employer to Fidelity. Mm -hmm. You sign up with your new Fidelity account and you initiate the transfer on the Fidelity side. And then that way, the money is going directly from one, one HSA account to the other. You never touch it. It never gets sent to you. It's directly from one trustee to another. And you're allowed to do unlimited trustee, trustee transfers each year. So that's what you can do to kind of you know, take more control over what your investment options are, what type of fees you're paying, and when you can start to invest. You know, basically doing this allowed me to start investing before I had that thousand dollar cash mm. balance and didn't require me to have to have the thousand dollar cash balance. That Fidelity account is my account. I determine if I want to have $500 in cash, $5 in cash or nothing in cash. You know, if I want to invest all of it, it's my choice. And um, the other great thing too about doing it this way is that your if your employer is including a match as well, either a match or a contribution, um, they can still do that to your, you know, your employer one, because that's the thing is you don't want to close your employer account because then your employer is not going to have anywhere to put that money. Mm. So you want to still get that, that employer contribution. So keep that account open and you can decide how frequent you want to do your, your transfers. You can do it monthly. You can do it quarterly, annually, how frequently you want to do. And then that way you just roll the money over. It is a little bit more of legwork, but to mm -hmm. me, having the freedom to invest when I want and in what I want and for no money, no additional money <laughs> or cost to me is way better for me. And, uh, you know, of course I'm like the queen of optimization. <laughs> I will, <laughs> I'll try to yeah. figure out any way to optimize something. So putting that thousand dollars to use. Versus control. Just, yeah, exactly. Control. I'm also a control freak, but <laughs> I didn't mean that you are, but <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> just meant like you can have more control over your, it's more control over your investments. Exactly. You know, so, but the thing that I would say is um, if, if people want to do this, 
One is contact your current HSA provider, the one through your employer, and make sure that there are no fees associated with transferring the money out. Ask them if there is a fee for any in-service transfers, because the point is that you want to keep your existing account open. And so it's going to be in-service transfer, meaning your existing account is going to stay open, but you're going to transfer money out. And you want to make sure that there's no fees associated before you do this, because otherwise that could just you know, basically nullify the whole point of doing this. If you're paying additional fees, then you're not really saving yourself any money. Um, but assuming that there's no fees associated with it, then definitely by all means, if this is something that interests you, it's an open option for you. Interesting. And that, so I, I think what's really interesting is the fact that you can contribute to your HSA through your employer, but then also have that other HSA account open. It sounds like I, I don't know, I guess, I don't know who sets those rules, if it's the IRS or not, because technically they, they are investment accounts. So it is interesting that the IRS actually allows you to, um, you know, have those different accounts um, so that you can have that kind of flexibility with your investment options. So yeah, it's almost like an IRA when, like, technically yeah. speaking, you can have a million IRAs if you want. Um, you have to keep track of them and everything, but, you know, right. you can contribute to, to 10 different IRAs in a given year so long as you don't go over that contribution limit. Over it's the exact limit. same way with HSAs. You can have as many HSAs accounts as you want and contribute to one or none of them, you know, or all of them if you want, so long as you don't go over that limit. Um, the good thing about doing transfers, the, the trustee to trustee transfer, is that you're never actually making a contribution contribution other than your employer contribution, you know, the one through your payroll. So you don't have to worry about going over the limit so long as you you did your calculations correctly through your employer because you're just transferring that money around. You're not making an, an additional contribution. So if you max out at 7200 for a family in 2021, if you transfer out 7200, you're still transferring. It's not like you're making an additional contribution. Gotcha. All right. And so speaking of the IRS, and I kind of want to circle back to the expenses, right? Because at, ultimately the way you get the money out of this account is that you have a qualified medical expense. So will the IRS really allow you to wait 30, however many years or, you know, decades, you know, until you start withdrawing this money? Like you can really just grow your money in this account without actually using it for qualified medical expenses. Yeah, I mean, as of now, assuming that the IRS doesn't change the rules, that's that's the rule right now. Um, it doesn't, ex I will say, it doesn't explicitly state it, but it also doesn't not say it. It doesn't and prohibit. What, yes, it doesn't prohibit it. <laughs> and um, basically, that's how everybody has been treating it. And so long as you have evidence that you paid for a eligible expense, it can be an explanation of benefits through your insurance, it can be a receipt, as long as it has enough detail in there to show that it was an eligible expense, who the provider was, who the who the patient was, or the person was receiving um, the item. I mean, in cases of like, like, you know, like I said, tampons or allergy medicine <laughs> that you would get. I mean, I don't think it doesn't say like on CVS oh, receipts. Stephanie, I'm getting well, tampon <laughs> reimbursement. <laughs> I know. And I don't think that's necessarily that, but if, either way, that's an eligible expense. But, you yeah. know, like, especially for like, uh, um, uh, for, doctor visits and stuff, you can't bring your old aunt Sally, you know, in and then be like, all right, I'm going to write you off in 30 years. Like, that's the kind of thing where they're going to be like, well, no, we need to see one for Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But really, right. as of now, that's what the rule is. So, you know, as I mentioned in episode six, you definitely want to keep track of your receipts. If this is what you're going to do and you want to use your HSA as an investment account, the key is to keep track of that information. Um, I literally create a spreadsheet. It's very simple. 
simple. All it has is the date of the service or the date I bought the, the item, um, the store or the provider, uh, what the item was, whether, you know, what type of expense was it for a medical visit? Was it dental? Was it, you know, a pharmacy or something like that? Whatever it might be. Um, and then a detail of what the item is. And that's really all you have to do. And then the cost, obviously, how much it costs. Mm -hmm. um, so that way, you know how much you can reimburse yourself for. And as of now, as long as you have those receipts, then that's all you need to do. And even the, the thing, though, is that the, um, when you go to reimburse yourself, it, I, I think it does depend on which HSA provider, but many won't even ask for that evidence. But the whole point is that if you ever get audited by the IRS, mm. you need to have that evidence to say, yes, these were eligible expenses. So, um, you know, I'm certainly not encouraging anyone to to not keep the thing and break the law and just, you know, reimburse themselves all willy nilly. <laughs> Definitely do not do that, people. That is a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> but that's the whole thing, too, is that when you go to reimburse yourself, your uh, HSA provider might not ask for that evidence, but you still want to make sure you have that just in case the IRS decides to come after you one day. <laughs> mm, good, good point. You don't want that happening. All right. So, let's say you're a really healthy person and you don't really have to go to the doctors that much or you don't have, you know, crazy medical expenses. You're, you're some kind of miracle, basically. <laughs> um, hopefully everybody watching has that same kind of thing going on for them. So what happens if you're, and you're making your contributions this entire time. So what happens if you don't actually end up having enough qualified expenses and you have more money in your account than you do medical expenses. What do you, what happens to that money? So that's the other awesome thing about HSAs that sets it apart from other health plans like a FSA or you know anything else that you really HRAs, which are health reimbursement accounts. Um, with an HSA, after age sixty five, they basically become a traditional IRA, which means that any amount of money that you have in that account after age sixty five, you can pull out. And all you have to do is pay the um, tax rate on it of your current income tax rate. It doesn't have to be for an eligible medical expense. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to, you don't have to have evidence of whatever. You can just say, I have $10,000 in my HSA and I want to pull $1,000 out today because I'm going to the casino <laughs> with my friend Betty. <laughs> and, and that's what you want to do. And you don't have to have proof of it so long as you're age 65 or older. And then when mm -hmm. you go to file your taxes, you will owe um, taxes on that money based on your income rate at that time. So that's the, the great thing about it is that it basically becomes another retirement account for you. And um, actually one of the women I work with, she'll be 65 next year. And we were talking about um, you know her being able to contribute to an HSA this year versus next year because she'll also be on Medicare next year and those kind of things. And it gets very tricky as you get older as, mm -hmm. as I was discussing with her. But I was explaining to her that, you know, that money is hers. And that's the great thing about HSA is that that money, once it's in that account, it's yours. Nobody can take that out, whether it's your employer contribution or your contribution. That money mm -hmm. is yours to use as you want. And so that's why after a certain age, when after age 65, when you're no longer eligible to contribute because you're on Medicare, you can use that money however you want, so long as you pay your income tax on it, basically, which kind of treats it the same as if you were to not have contributed now versus you know when you're older so i mean hsas in my opinion are one of the greatest options i'm not going to say that they're for everyone just because of that right. whole high deductible portion which you know we we definitely talked about on on episode six a lot about you know whether it's important 
based on your health status and your your dependent's health status and your spouse, whoever else is going to be on your plan, you know, it they may or may not be right for you. But if it is right. right for you, HSAs are an amazing tool. And especially for, you know, like in my situation where that's the only healthcare option I have, it, I'm glad that I at least have this option. It saves me on mm. taxes today. You know, I, I'm able to invest this money completely tax-free and, you know, God willing that I don't max it out through my uh, my medical expenses. I'm going to have yeah. basically an additional retirement account to pull from in the future. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of benefits to them. Yeah. I mean, just the triple tax advantage alone is highly worth it. There's no other account out there like that. There's no other investment account where you can contribute your money um, pre-tax, where it grows tax-free and where you can withdraw it tax-free. It's It really is incredible. Um, and I know it's definitely the option I would probably take if I, you know, didn't have a husband that liked to get surgery, as I always say, which he has another one coming up this week. So he's okay, by the way, it's nothing, nothing, uh, major at all. So, um, but yeah, I would definitely opt for that. And I, I, we talked about this in the last episode in episode six, but I just want to kind of really point out like you know, my husband and I are relatively, we are healthy people, you know, but he has had to get, you know, a few orthopedic muscular surgeries because of his line of work versus you, you're a family, you know, you and your husband and your son, you guys are a family and you opted for the HSA. It was the better option in your case. So you don't have to be a single person, um, you know, to, to opt for the HSA, you can be a family and it can make financial sense for you. And as you pointed out, Stephanie, um, it ends up being such a great, you know, extra reti bonus retirement account, if you will, um, especially if you're investing in it in the right way. And by the way, I do want to just mention, you know, we talked about how to invest in it, um, but we didn't really talk about like what to invest in. So if you do have questions about what kinds of things you should be invested in, we have an episode on index funds. We'll leave it in the show notes after the episode wraps up. Um, and you can go back and watch that. Uh, we also have an episode from season one uh, when we were doing Winance Wednesday on Instagram. And we talked about like investing in the stock market, especially during volatile times and not. So if you have questions about investing specifically, you know, what kind of funds or what kind of things you should be investing in, in your HSA or any investment account, you can go back and rewatch those episodes to learn more about that. Yeah. And actually something fun that I'll, I'll say about my HSA. So with my husband's HSA, his, um, his, investment options are actually identical to his 401k options. Mm. Um, so everything that he has available through his 401k, he has available through his HSA. And I decided to keep it simple. I did, you know, a, a total stock market and a total bond market, you know, based on the percentages. And I kept it simple that way. Um, for my HSA, since I, you know, had a little bit of flexibility, I, at first, I wasn't even planning to be able to invest it as early as I was, because I thought I had to have that thousand dollar cash balance. And then when I found right. out I could start investing immediately, you know, once I opened my my own HSA account, I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. And so it was almost like free, not free money, because obviously it's my money, but um, it was it was unplanned money for me to invest. Mm. And so I was kind of looking around, I'm like, you know, I, I had been um, considering investing in some specific sectors like the tech sector. I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm still very much into index funds and total stock market funds and fully believe in it. And the majority of my um, 
portfolio is in a total stock market or S&P 500 fund that, you know, basically will kind of follow the market and minimize, you know, up fluctuations and ups and downs depending on a specific sector. But since this is almost like uh, unexpected money, I'm like, you know what, let me try something a little different. So I, mm. um, I bought kind of a mix. So I do still have a lot, a good portion of it in the total stock market fund. But I ended up putting some into uh, a technology um, index fund into uh, another type of I think it was a re index fund and then mm -hmm. um, an international index fund, which I typically don't do international because I believe that the US stock market is also so internationally based, like most of the right. companies that are in the S&P 500 also have a strong foothold in other countries that, you know, the markets there tend to reflect, you know, how, or however those companies perform tend to reflect, you know, how the market's right. doing internationally. But I thought, okay, I'll put a small percentage in there as well. So, you know, sometimes that's the thing you could think about it too, is that if you already have a, a you know, a good portfolio in your 401k or 403b whatever your employer sponsored retirement account is and you have an IRA and you know maybe even a taxable brokerage account and now you have this HSA that you can use in an investment option maybe use it to kind of dabble in some other areas you know I'm not saying go high risk unless that's what you're comfortable with but maybe put a small percentage in in an area that you've been curious about um cuz again this is all tax free money so you don't have to worry about dividends you know and having to pay dividends on this money so long as you're you're pulling it out for eligible expenses you get it tax free and even worst case if you're say, 65 or older and you go to pull it out you're still going to only pay your income tax rate so you don't have to worry about mm. paying long term you know um, long term, yeah, long term gains or anything like that. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to HSAs that kind of are well beyond just the the healthcare and well beyond the basic investment portion of it. It's really such an individual thing, and it gives people other opportunities that they may not otherwise have in terms of investing. And so that's what we're really hoping to reflect in this episode today, and helping people learn about some of the nuances of HSAs that your employer is not going to tell you. Because I, oh, oh my God, sitting oh. through these benefits meetings. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> I'm sitting in this meeting and I'm just like, you know, you're doing side work because you're at home now. So at least like, you know, back in the day last year, we had to actually sit in a conference room and pretend like we're listening. I know. But you know, they're, they're doing know. the Zoom meeting this week and you're doing your, your work on the side and I'm looking at her and she briefly, like so briefly talked about the investment part of HSAs. And I get that she's there for like the healthcare side and it's right. not her job. But I also remember last year when they were doing it and I was super excited. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I got HSA. Cause it was the first year I was ever eligible for it um, through my insurance. I started asking about it. I was like, so when I was like, um, what are your investment options? And she's like, oh, well mm. you have to have a thousand dollars in your HSA to invest. So I was like, uh-huh. And what are your investment options? <laughs> what can I invest in? <laughs> yeah, like I wanted to know what I had. Cause I was like, this is just right. another investment account for me. <laughs> right. You know, they, uh, most people aren't like that. So I get that. But this is why we wanted to have this episode because yes. your, your benefits people are not going to be telling you about this. Your, your employers are not going to be telling you about this because they probably don't know either. Your coworkers, half of them probably don't even know. You know, so we wanted to share this information, share it with your friends, share it with your family, you know, send yeah. them the video, send them the, the podcast and, and spread the, the news, spread the information. Cause yeah. really this is, this is good stuff that is so uh, relatable and eligible for so many people. Yeah. And people just don't understand their options. And I think most people probably opt for the PPO cause it's just 
easier. It's, it's less complex. Yeah, yep. it's simpler. Um, and there's certainly something to be said for that, but you should still understand, fully understand your options so that you can make the most educated decisions because it literally can cost you money in the long run. Not only could you end up paying more going with the PPO option potentially, but also like you don't get the benefits of having an additional retirement account. And Steph, you touched about so upon something, um, you know, talking about like the um, benefits meeting that you had at your job um, this week. And, you know, this is something you and I hear every single time we do a finance workshop, every single time we used to do a finance night, people would say, oh my God, you guys are so much better than the boring person from my provider, or, you know, my 401k provider or whatever the case is, because they don't talk to you about how to actually apply this stuff to your individual circumstance or to your life. They don't tell you, they don't even give you any kind of guidance about what you might want to consider to invest in. You know, they just give you the bare bones and they leave it up to you to figure it out. And if you can even stay awake during the presentation, you don't leave knowing anything more than you came in with. And that's yeah. why, I mean, that is a huge reason why you and I started doing this in the first place was like, people need to understand what their options are. They need to be fully educated. They need to have the on, on opportunity to ask questions, you know, hey, what does this actually mean? And that's why you and I, you know, did this interview style tonight so that we could kind of cover off on some of those really common questions um, that people might have and also cover off on questions that people might not even know that they had. <laughs> you don't they know don't what know you to don't ask. know. Yep. Yeah, you don't know to ask it. Exactly. Yep. So um, well, why don't you do a recap for us what we went over? Because I know we did go over a lot and we want to make sure everybody does retain this information. And um, before you do that, just a reminder that you guys can always, always, always reach out to me and Stephanie. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at winancefi.com. You can find us on Instagram. We are at Winance on Instagram. Drop us a DM anytime. Uh, leave us a comment on Facebook. You guys, we are everywhere. Leave us a comment here on YouTube if you're following on YouTube. We are all over the internets and we are here <laughs> to help you. Seriously, you will get a response from me or Stephanie um, and we are happy to help. So if you have any follow-up questions about HSAs or anything money investing related, use us, take advantage yes. of us, yes. get, get that free information from us while you can. Really, and you're, <laughs> well, You'll get more information than you thought you ever would. Oh my God, beyond. Really, we'll make sure after, it's applicable. I, I know the day after we had our open enrollment, I was having my morning meeting with my team and, you know, they were asking some questions and then I got, I had to got to get off my soapbox about <laughs> HSAs and insurance. I'm just like 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I guess you guys have work to do. All right. Well, bye. <laughs> Well, I think everyone can tell how passionate you are about HSAs. That's why we call you the reigning queen in health savings accounts. I know. The whole time I was just like, God, why can't I be leading this meeting, this benefits meeting? <laughs> I'd be doing such a better job. Because it's so much better at Winance than it, it is, is in a sale you benefits meeting. During your exactly. corporate meeting. You don't have any drinky drinks at your benefits meeting. It's another reason why they're boring. <laughs> I know. I do. All right. So recapping. So the first thing, and hopefully everyone understands this now, is that many HSA providers allow you to invest your contributions tax-free. So we know that your contributions go in tax-free, but you can also invest them if that's an option through your HSA. If it's not an HSA or an option through your HSA, then open your own HSA. <laughs> you don't have to wait for your employer. 
And don't forget the tip about how I said, make sure that you keep your in-service HSA with your employer open because you want to make sure that you're still getting that 7.65% FICA tax savings and you're getting your employer match. So they have somewhere to actually put that money. Next is that you can get unlimited annual trustee to trustee transfers between HSA accounts. Now, remember, this is not the same as a rollover. If you do a rollover, you can only do that once a year. And then after that, you would be taxed for any additional money. Trustee to trustee transfers are unlimited and those are tax free because they go directly from one HSA account to the other and never go through your hands. And last, HSAs can be used like a traditional IRA after age 65. So if you contribute so much to your, your HSA that you don't use up all the funds or don't have enough eligible medical expenses um, to reimburse yourself tax-free, then after age 65, you can pull that money out at your tax rate at that time. Woo woo. <laughs> all right. Well, like we said, if you guys have any follow-up questions about HSAs, health savings accounts, the investment component of it, you know where to reach us. We are all over the interwebs and happy to help. And um, if you have any questions, sort of those basic, you know, about HSA and how, how you might want to make that decision, go back and rewatch episode six from this season um, to get more information about that as well. Um, next week, we are going to be talking about who owns your time? I own my time, Marie. <laughs> um, are you employed? Yes. Then you don't own your time, homegirl. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> We're going to be talking about time ownership and what that actually means and why time, not money, is your actual most valuable asset mm -hmm. um, and why that is so important, especially if you are pursuing financial independence, regardless if you're doing early retirement or not, people need to understand the true value of their time and who actually owns it. So tune in next week for that. And in the meantime, be sure to follow us. As I mentioned, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. We are at Wynance. You can obviously find us here on YouTube. So be sure to like and subscribe. You can listen to the Wynance podcast on Spotify, on Apple, pretty much everywhere you get podcasts. And be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you have want weekly updates. If you want to get our free 401k guide, you want to get our blog posts and all that great stuff. You want to get on the wait list for our upcoming workshops, which we're going to be launching new workshops starting in January. We'll go to winancefi.com and subscribe to our email list. So you can get those notifications. You get special offers and all kinds of great goodies and stuff that you just don't get anywhere else on the interwebs. I got to stop saying interwebs. <laughs> I know you're going to start saying it legitimately and they're going to be like, this girl does not know. What decade are you from? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the 90s, Mr. Bonks. <laughs> it's a father of the bride reference for you all. Oh, I'm surprised <laughs> there haven't been more of them. <laughs> I actually am too. Like, how It is like our favorite movie. I think we could sit here and recite the entire movie from beginning to I end. Mean, how have we not talked about the eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns? Oh, I think that's, that up. needs to be an episode about you know, the ripoff of the eight <laughs> hot dogs. Let me the tell you, shot at the bun company. You get, you try to get these organic hot dogs and they put five, five in there. Have you ever seen a set of five hot dog buns? No, you haven't. <laughs> All right. Because so right. something next year, we'll do a hot dog bun and Father Bride episode. And we're just going to play that clip over and over. <laughs>
I guarantee it'll be our most watched episode, even higher than the HSA episode. <laughs> you know, all we needed to talk about was hot dogs. <laughs> if only we knew. <laughs> all right. We're getting off of here because we are just going crazy. But uh, you know where to find us, wineantsfi.com. Leave us comments, questions, subscribe, like, all that jazz. And until next week, we'll see you guys later. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>